If we weren't news people, you wouldn't even believe what we're about to talk about. We're going to talk about people who manufacture dirt, sell that dirt at a pretty big premium, and people need it. Like this, this is like in really high demand these days because it's space dirt and it's a pretty fascinating situation. So glad to have you with us on this week's edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. I'm Matt Austin. And I'm Ginger Gadsden, and it has blown my mind that you can manufacture dirt because my excuse as a kid, not the five second rule, like you drop something on the ground, it's like, oh, you drop it, it gets in dirt. It's like, oh, God made dirt, dirt won't hurt. And it's like, well, he didn't make this dirt. No, people <laughs> apparently are making this dirt. And it's really cool because we've got so much space exploration, so much private space exploration going on yeah. right now yeah. that these companies need to figure out, hey, how do I get my rover? What kind of tires do I need to get through this dirt? Exactly. How am I going to grow food for my astronauts if they're living on Mars or hanging out on the moon for a while? And this is one of the, the ways you figure it out, Gigi. Yeah, and different parts of the moon. Matt, I'm so happy that you're asking those questions about dirt because we've got the dirt on all of that. Oh, today. that was good. We well are, done. <laughs> we are speaking with Dr. Zoe Landsman with UCF Exolith Lab. She is the chief scientist, which we think is the coolest title, which just means you're in charge. I think that's what that means because you're the chief. Anytime someone's the chief, they're in charge. Dr. Landsman, thank you so much for joining us today. Did we get some of that right about what you guys do with the dirt? Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. That's uh, that's exactly right. Those all the all the things you mentioned are a lot of the things people do with our space dirt. Um, they're testing testing rovers, testing how you can grow plants on the moon or Mars, um, doing scientific studies. Um, you know that you would you would want to use actual space dirt for, but it's not really practical to get it. So uh, you have our our uh, fake space dirt. <laughs> okay, so how do in layman's term? How do you even start? Because you think of dirt is like, oh, everybody can get dirt. It's a building block. But if you have to build that building block, how do you build it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So when we think of dirt, you know, here on Earth, if you think of the dirt that you would just get if you went outside and scooped up some soil from your yard. So that's very different than what's on the surface of the moon, for example. So the dirt that we have on Earth is formed over time by um, by rain and wind erosion um, and by organic processes. So there's bits of decaying plant matter in there. There's uh, matter that worms have digested, things like that. Um, and so there are all these complex processes on our, on our very changing, uh, you know, volatile planet that make dirt. Um, it's very different on the moon, right? There's no atmosphere, there's no water. And so the dirt that's on the surface of the moon is just rocks, moon rocks that have been broken up into essentially powder, like um, you can think of like baby powder texture over billions of years by impacts of micrometeorites. So it's just the process, you know, you imagine this tiny little micrometeorite coming in and chipping off a tiny piece of a rock, and then imagine that for, you know, 4 billion years, and the whole surface is covered with this, this powdery rock dust. Um, and so that's what we're trying to simulate. And we do that by finding rocks on Earth that have a, a chemistry and a composition as close to the moon rocks as possible. And then we crush them up in processes that mimic that, um, 
grinding over time that happens by the micrometeorites. Wow. Okay, so now I'm picturing the moon as being covered in baby powder, and I find it so exciting. It is, yeah, it is. If you ever see, you know, you can find pictures of the boot prints from the astronauts that have walked on the moon, and it's, you know, it's it makes a perfect impression of the boot print on the surface because it's this very fine powdery stuff. Well, that's that's the big question I had when I told people we're doing a podcast on space dirt. People go, what is this, some, some, some sort of pyramid scheme or something? How the hell do they know what the dirt's <laughs> yeah. like on the moon and Mars? So how do you, particularly, I get the moon because we probably, we brought uh, moon rocks back, but right. how do we know what the surface is like on Mars? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, so we don't have, we haven't gone and retrieved samples from the surface of Mars, like, you know, like we have done with the moon where astronauts have, have walked there and picked up samples. Mm -hmm. um, but we do have a number of, roving laboratories on the surface of Mars. We have rovers that, um, you know, various, uh, various space agencies, including of course NASA have been sending there for decades. And so those rovers on the surface of Mars, um, you know, they have cameras, they go around and, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to having a person on the moon saying, oh, that's an interesting rock. I'm gonna pick that one up and bring it back to earth to analyze. We can, you know, look at the pictures that the rovers are taking of the surface and say, well, that's an interesting piece of soil or rock. Let's grind that up and analyze it with the science instruments on the rover. So that's one that's one way um, that the surf that we know about the surface of Mars and the Mars rocks. Um, we also have observations from from telescopes and from space probes orbiting Mars. So you can actually learn a lot about the surface of um, of something just by using um, images. You can look at different, you can look at, at images in different colors. And so you can see, you know, how, how red versus how blue versus how green a certain rock is can actually tell you what the composition of that rock is. Um, we do that for asteroids and, and comets and other things as well. Why is that dirt made here on Earth in a lab so important as we advance forward and move toward colonizing a place like Mars? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, as the technology gets more developed um, and we're getting closer to, to something, you know, a, a wheel or um, a solar panel or any other kind of thing that you're going to put on the surface of another planet, you want to be able to test it in conditions that are as close to the real conditions as possible. Um, and there are certain properties of, of those, of the real space dirt that you can't mimic easily if you just scooped up some, some regular old earth soil. So for one thing, especially this is true on the moon, um, the soil is very abrasive um, because it's, you know, our soil on earth is ground down over time by these erosive processes and the grains themselves on a microscopic level are kind of round. But if you looked at the moon dirt under a microscope, they're very jagged from this fracturing process. And so, so we, we replicate that because you want to make sure, you know, is your, is your gear on your widget that you're going to put on the moon, is that going to just get torn up by this abrasive, scratchy dirt? Um, you know, people also, you know, let's say you want to test, can I grow a plant using Mars soil? Um, well, the, the chemistry of the Mars soil is very different from the chemistry of Earth soil. So you want to know, what do I need to add or take away from the Mars soil? You know, if I'm an astronaut on Mars, what do I need to do to that soil so that I could grow plants in it? Um, and you don't want to wait till you get there to find out. So, so this is really just testing these technologies ahead of time 
using, um, you know, getting as close to the real thing as you can. Yeah, I was going to say it took perseverance, something like six months to get there. And then you it lands, it goes through all of this stuff perfectly and lands and gets a flat tire. That right, was, <laughs> right. That would be terrible, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. The These missions are, you know, the stakes are high and they're very expensive. And yeah, once you're once something is is off earth, you know, you can't, it's, it's not so easy to go fix it. So yeah, you want to know that you've tested it. I would imagine. So uh, can we grow anything other than potatoes on Mars? Is that what we're limited <laughs> to like Matt Damon and the Martian? <laughs> no, not necessarily. Um, there, there are a lot of things you could grow on Mars. So, um, we, so right now, actually the, the Exolith lab, um, where I work, we are, uh, partners with, uh, a competition called plant the moon and plant Mars. Um, this is a, a competition that's run for uh, K-12 schools and also colleges and even um, private industry. And so it's a competition to use our soil to try to grow different plants um, and, you know, um, under as Martian or lunar-like conditions as possible. And people have had success growing. Um, the, the Mars soil is a challenge. It's quite salty. There's a lot of salt on Mars. And so mm. um, salt tolerant plants, for example, seem to work well. Um, I know people have had pea, pea plants seem to do quite well. Um, radishes, it's it's a little bit surprising. I mean, and I'm not I'm not any kind of botanist, but um, it, it seems like there's a, a big variety of things you could you could grow if you uh, adjust the soil the right way, add the right nutrients. <laughs> so how much dirt are we talking about, uh, is being manufactured? Yeah. So it's, um, it's gone up a lot. <laughs> um, this year so far we've shipped out, um, about, uh, it was, let's see, it's over 20,000 kilograms, um, of dirt. And, um, before that, you know, the year before that we we're in the couple thousand range. And in the years before that, it was a few hundred kilograms. So it's wow. ramped up tremendously. Um, and that's been a combination of just more interest in the dirt and also mm -hmm. people who are getting huge quantities of it to fill, you know, kind of like a sandbox to run rovers around in that kind of thing. And this yeah. dirt is not cheap. Okay, let's talk a little bit. Well, I mean, maybe it's it's not dirt cheap. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> some of it, some of the specialty stuff I hear can cost $5 per ounce. So yeah. why is it so expensive? And could this be like, I know that you work for a lab at UCF, but do you think one day this could be like a, a legitimate business that makes a lot of money? Yeah. I mean, so we're, we're set up right now as a nonprofit. Um, and so the simulant that we sell is essentially at cost. So the cost of us, the cost for us to get the raw materials and the cost of labor to crush it and the cost to ship it. Um, so we're, we're essentially, yeah, just operating at cost. Um, and that's, you know, we were set up uh, under a grant with NASA. And so we're, we're really here to be a, um, you know, a service to the scientific and engineering community. Um, we want to make good, um, good, high quality fake space dirt that uh, works well for, for lots of uses and make it as cheap as we can. Um, we certainly, you know, it would be nice, um, and our, I think we're heading in the direction of, of, um, being able to have it, um, as a more sustainable business model where we're having money that we can continue to invest in, uh, growing the, growing the lab and growing the research that we do and coming up with new stimulants. So we're certainly headed in that direction. Um, and there are there have there are private companies. There's at least one private company who um, is is also looking into. Uh, they're 
they're working on the space dirt game. So I think it's a I think it's a um, a valid business model for sure. Um, but again, you know, we're we're really just trying to to make good stuff available as cheaply as we can. Um, and our typical simulants are about thirty five dollars a kilogram. Again, that's that's about at cost for us. Um, the there are specialty simulants that are more expensive. So things get expensive when you try to replicate some of the very unique um, structures that you see on the microscopic level on the moon. So one thing that happens on the surface of the moon um, is the formation of, of these bits called agglutinates. So um, when micrometeorites hit the surface of the moon, there's uh, a tremendous amount of energy that's released and you'll actually melt um, the soil at the point where that, that meteorite hit and you'll get glass, you'll make glass in these weird little blobby formations. Um, and they can be, the presence of those can be really important for how the dirt behaves. Um, and so we're working on, um, on simulating that component of the, the, the actual lunar soil um, you know, we're, we're melting, we're melting our space dirt and we're making it into blobs <laughs> and we're trying to get it into the right shape. And, um, it's just extremely labor intensive. So that's why that ends up being, uh, expensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It sounds like it. So, uh, how many different, you know, I think of it as something like sod, which we're doing right now at the house. So <laughs> it's like, okay, there's that we need a certain kind for our yard. Right. That kind of like how the dirt, you have different kinds of variety, right? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the moon, you know, the moon is a lot, sim the geology on the moon is a lot simpler than it is on the earth. You know, we have so many processes on the earth. We have volcanic processes and we have wind and water and um, plate tectonics and all these different things. So we have very complex geology on the earth. And the moon uh, is a lot more simple and it's it's been pretty geologically dead for a very long time. So you have really two main types of um, of soil on the moon. There's um, what we call the the maria. So if you were to look at the moon in the night sky, that's the dark the dark uh, patches and that's that's from the Latin for sea. So it's the things that kind of look like the oceans or the seas, mm -hmm. the dark seas. And then there's the highlands, which are the the brighter colored stuff um, when you look at at the moon. So those are the, the two main things. I, I like that. It seems like if you were on, if you were an alien on the moon and you wanted to try to make earth dirt, you'd be like, I can't do it. It's too tough. There's too that, much yeah. going on there. That would be, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> okay. So, and that, I was going to ask you about that because is there a way that one day in the future, maybe we could simulate, you know, cause there are places on the planet where they don't have good soil so they can't grow crops, right? And could it could help solve the hunger problem if people could grow food, if you could make dirt good here on earth and they could use it to grow. Is that something that's a possibility? Sure. I mean, you know, again, my, my knowledge of agriculture and botany is very sure. lacking, but I would say, uh, I think that the processes, the industrial processes that we're kind of learning as we go. So crushing rocks and making, making dirt from scratch. Um, I, I think there could possibly be a lot of applications for that. Um, uh, yeah, I don't see, I don't see why not. Um, it's, it's been a really, there, there, what there isn't, there wasn't really an industrial process in place for this when we started. We just kind of had to figure out 
how do you make huge quantities of this dirt? And yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think there, there could definitely be you know, other things you could scale this to. I love that you're such a professional, you know, so much about dirt, but you're like, I don't really know about the stuff that grows in it. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all too specialized. It's yeah, very, very <laughs> niche. And you guys have some really big clients. I know you work with NASA, you work with the European Space Agency, Japanese Space Agency, the Germans, all of them are calling you guys. So if people are listening to this and they're saying, oh, they're crazy, this is just some kind of one-off thing, you guys are in high demand right now and you're yeah. growing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we we have, um, you know, worked with partners all over the world. Um, we have partners in, in Australia, all across Europe, um, you know, of course, all over the US. Um, we've worked with, um, you know, if you think of any of the big aerospace engineer, uh, engineering players, we've, we've worked with them. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's it's um, it the demand just keeps on coming. So so we're very pleased that that this is something we can provide. What excites you about getting up every day and taking on this challenge? What is the thing you're like? Oh, today we get to do this. Yeah, yeah, that's oh, that's a great question. Um, a few things. Um, I mean, you know, for one, I this is going to sound like really small scale compared to all this stuff, but my, I love looking at data. And one of the things that I do as chief scientist is, um, is studying the rocks that we're putting into the simulant and making sure that they have the right composition, um, that they're the right kind of rocks that are as close as we can get to the moon rocks or the Mars rocks. Um, and so that involves a lot of time in the lab that involves a lot of collecting data from, from different kinds of instruments and analyzing that. And, and honestly, that's, that's what I live for scientifically. You show me a squiggly line on a screen and I'm like, yes, this is the thing that I went to school for a million years to do. Um, so that's part of it. The, the other thing that I love about working in this lab is we have a big team of students. We have um, almost 20 undergraduate students and several graduate students who work in our lab. And um, you know, they help make the space dirt, but they also participate in research and they work with us on publications and um, conference presentations and um, working with them and seeing them learn and grow and getting to have a mentorship role with the students has been absolutely the best part of this job for me. They're amazing and I love working with them. You know, Ginger, they said it couldn't be done. You couldn't do a podcast about dirt and make it interesting. And I think oh we gosh. defied all the experts. I know we did. This is real. <laughs> I mean, it's really fascinating because I had no idea such a thing existed until uh, we were talking about it. And it's really going to answer a lot of questions and, and help us moving forward, especially if we're going to colonize other places. I agree. And I'm excited to maybe one day see billboards that say good, high quality, fake space dirt. Buy it here now. I don't know why that excites me. Dr. Zoe Landsman, thank you so much for fascinating us today and uh, and for doing cool stuff that's helping to get us to other planets. It's amazing. And suffering we through some of our not so good questions. <laughs> I, and I'm speaking for myself, but thank you. You answered a lot of the questions. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. All oh, right. God. Have a great day. This is another edition of Florida's Fourth Estate. We'll see you next time. Bye.